So just as Andrew comes to speak to us, I'm just going to pray for him as he does that. Father, we just thank you for Andrew, for the time and preparation he's put into sharing your word with us this morning. We ask that you'd give him clarity of thought and speech, that you would empower him with the words that you wish him to say this morning, and that you'd open our ears to listen. In your name, amen. Amen. So thank you, Anna, for, uh, for warming up the crowd, because um, I'm hoping that there's going to be a shout-out uh, once, once we see the next slide. So I wonder if someone would like to tell me what they can see. A roof. Yeah, okay, right. So, so, so you, uh, you've... So how do you think you're looking at the roof? You're looking down on top of, of the roof. Can anyone see anything different? Okay, and, and uh, where are you relative to the building? You're okay, so, so you're, look, you're looking up at the building. Anyone see anything different? Paving slabs. Oh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't see that one. Yeah. <laughs> Funny shaped paving slabs. All right. Okay. Inside the building. Inside the building. So, so there's someone in, in, inside the building and someone outside the building. See, you see, there's just this one picture and we can look at it and we can see lots of different, uh, different things. <laughs> And, uh, and Bible passages are like that, that sometimes we can read a Bible passage and see something uh, different. Uh, and so Bible passages can be looked at in more than one way. Last time I was here and speaking, I spoke on uh, Palm Sunday. Um, I, I didn't speak on Palm Sunday, but I spoke about that passage from the Bible where Jesus enters into uh, Jerusalem. And I said at that time that Palm Sunday was probably one of the most popular uh, Sundays of the year for, uh, for those teaching uh, young people. Because uh, you know, certainly when I taught young people, I would quite often ask uh, ask children to, to act out Palm Sunday um, you know, using, using big leaves, either big leaves culled from the garden or big leaves cut out of bits of cardboard uh, but there are other ways of looking uh, at the events of that day and how they fit uh, into the well, into the week that leads to Jesus' death and resurrection so if our children today uh, are down the hall waving palm branches, they are in, they're kind of imagining what it's like to be part of the crowd that day. But I'd like us to see here if we can imagine a little bit of what it was like to be Jesus that day. Jesus, who's fully divine, but also fully human. And we're going to use John's account of the life of Jesus to do that. So if you, uh, if you are 
If you do have a Bible with you, you might want to open at John chapter 12, although we're going to start a little bit further back from that. You see, all of the Gospels have got a turning point uh, in them, a key moment in them. For Matthew, Mark and Luke, the key moment is when Jesus says, Who do you say I am? It's a brilliant question, isn't it? It's a question we'll all have to answer one day. And Peter answers, you are the Messiah. And that changes the account in these Gospels. But the turning point in John's Gospel is Palm Sunday. Because before Jesus enters Jerusalem... There's a repeated refrain in John's Gospel. And the repeated refrain is, his hour had not yet come. But after Palm Sunday, after Jesus enters Jerusalem this last time, every mention of the hour is of something imminent or something that had actually arrived But if we look at John's Gospel right from the beginning, in the build-up to this day, uh, John records five signs, each of which produces conflict with the religious authorities. He heals on the Sabbath, and he feeds 5,000 people. And John in chapter 7 tells us this. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. And then he went to the feast, uh, to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, and the temple guards tried to seize him. But his hour had not yet come. And then, as we continue to look through John's Gospel, we move on to chapter 11, and Jesus comes to Judea again, and he comes to Bethany, because there his friend Lazarus lies dead, and Jesus raises him from the dead. And some of the witnesses there reported to the Pharisees what they'd seen and what they'd heard, and a meeting of the Sanhedrin was called. And this, the meeting of the Sanhedrin, heard someone say this. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. You see, years before, the Pharisees had decided, however reluctantly that the wise course of action was to endure the Roman occupation. And so at this meeting of the, of, the, of the Sanhedrin, Caiaphas, the high priest, says to the meeting, it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. And John tells us, Therefore, because of this, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, 
to a village called Ephraim where he stayed with his disciples and as you can see on the map Ephraim is quite some distance from Jerusalem and so as the Passover approaches John tells us the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him I wonder if you've ever watched the television programme Hunted. On one side there are the hunters with all the powers of the state. Nowadays automatic number plate recognition so that cameras on motorways and the major roads can detect where you are. Or closed circuit television of the streets, of the stations and actually of many cash machines. And they can trace mobile phone calls and so on. So the the hunters have got lots of things at their disposal. And on the other side, there are the hunted. In this television program, ten people, initially in pairs. And their challenge is to go undiscovered by the hunters for three weeks and then get to a point where they are extracted and if they are successful they get a share of £100,000 but the drama of the programme is that pretty soon some of them are caught until we get down to the last two or three and then sometimes the hunters as the days pass and the day of extraction gets closer the hunters use social media to let it be known that they're the good guys and if you uh, give information which leads to one of the hunted being caught then they will pay you some money That's the situation that Jesus was in five days before the Passover. And then in John chapter 12, it says this. The great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. In the first century, the normal population of Jerusalem was probably somewhere around 25,000. But during the major festivals, the population rose to probably over 100,000. And many people came to the city a week or so before the festival for ritual purification. And the story goes on. Uh, They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. It wasn't hard to find palm branches. I'm told they're still plentiful in Jerusalem today. But palm branches in that culture were just like You know, bits of blue and yellow cloth are today. Bits of blue and yellow cloth remind us of Ukraine. In these days, palm branches were a real nationalistic symbol, a real flag to be waving. 
And the words that the crowd shouted, some of them from Psalm 118, were words associated with the Messiah, the long-promised deliverer of the Jewish nation. (coughs) These were not politically neutral words. These were not politically neutral events that were unfolding in the biblical account. Particularly at the Passover, the festival that celebrated how 13 centuries earlier, this little nation, powerless nation, powerless people group, Israel, had overcome the greatest power of the day, Egypt. And so then John's account goes on. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. As we've already seen in the video, the other Gospels make clear that Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew the significance of Zechariah chapter 9, which is where these words come from. Jesus had been careful to prearrange that he would arrive at the city riding on a young donkey. The Roman authorities were used to triumphal entries to a city. At the end of a successful military campaign, the emperor or the emperor's representative would enter the city riding on a white horse and marching behind the emperor on his horse would come serried ranks of his troops in full battle gear. A real display of power. To ride into Jerusalem on a horse would have whipped up the crowd's political aspirations even further. It would have been seen by the Romans as an unambiguous declaration of revolt against their authority. But someone riding on a donkey? Who would notice someone riding on a donkey? Certainly wouldn't be much of a threat as far as they were concerned. But the words John quotes are from Zechariah chapter 9. And that chapter is about much more than someone riding on a donkey. It's about God bringing to an end Israel's need for battle. It's about reaffirmation of God's covenant with his people. It's about the people being summoned to proclaim the king who will ensure God's blessing on his people. And so John goes on. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. 
Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So what did the crowd expect? You see, they had no concept of a suffering Messiah. The Messiah was going to be triumphant. So the people in the crowd from Galilee, they'd seen, they'd heard about Jesus' victories over the Pharisees. They now wanted to see his victory over the Romans. And the people in the crowd who'd seen Lazarus raised from the dead or had heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead, they too wanted a miraculous victory over the Romans. The crowd had expectations. There's a U.S. academic called Todd, Todd Bolsinger who said this: "The core competence. I'll start that again. The core competency of leadership is disappointing your own people at a rate they can absorb." The core, com- yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about Boris Johnson as I read that as well. Anyway, the core competency of leadership is disappointing your own people at a rate they can absorb. Four days later, the crowd were given a choice. You can have Barabbas, who was imprisoned with the rebels who had killed some of the Romans. Or you can have Jesus, who in the four days since his triumphal entry had apparently done nothing against the Romans. He continued to talk to the Pharisees and and defeat them. But same old, same old, nothing new. And so the crowd chose Barabbas. We often say that Jesus died that we might be forgiven. And it's true. But Jesus died because his aim was not to set people free from Roman rule, but to set them and you and me free from bondage to the ruler of this world to set us free from being a slave to Satan's power. You see, on Palm Sunday, Jesus was riding towards victory. But his victory didn't mean rescue from the Romans, as the crowd hoped but rescue from Satan's power as the crowd needed and as each one of us needs today. Billy Graham put it like this, God proved his love on the cross when Jesus hung and bled and died 
It was God saying to the world, I love you. Palm Sunday, at the start of these days in Jerusalem, led to Jesus' death. Let's just reflect, each one of us, on how much God loves us. And perhaps this week, just read the account of Jesus' last days and reflect on how much God loves you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Palm Sunday and the start of this Holy Week when we remember all of the things that Jesus suffered in these days until at last he died on the cross and then rose again and then rose again and then rose again because he loves us because you love us so help us reflect on that in these coming days in Jesus name Amen